ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A 13-year-old girl from Australia has completed a feat in skateboarding that no other girl has done before. I love this story already. Check it out. Arissa True recently landed a 720 in competition. Well, that's a trick where the skateboarder completes two full 360-degree rotations in the air. Right yeah! Cool to see all the support I've got, and I'm just still, like, so happy I landed it. We've got these little girls like Arissa who just like I want to be the best and I just love this and they skate with guys all the time and they're just like well if they can do it I can do it and that's a great mentality to have. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Yep, everyone's talking about Arissa True. Even Goldie Horn's daughter, Kate Hudson, was posting footage of her 720 on Instagram. And Arissa is hoping to qualify for the Paris Olympics in 2024. Of course, that will be the second year that skateboarding is included in the Olympics. But in bigger news, Warwick Long, welcome back to the Conversation Hour. Great to be here. My hometown, Maui. I was there just a few weeks ago. And smack bang in the centre of town, next to the library, Moe has finally got its skate ramp, its skate park. It's due to be finished at the end of the year, but it looks awesome. It's huge. And I have to say, I don't think a town has ever needed a skate ramp more. Where is it? Is it in the middle of the town or is it hidden off to the side? No. Slap bang? Smack bang in the middle of town, yeah. Right, as you get off the train, if you get off V-Lane, a V-Line, the library's there and next to the library is the skate ramp. It's a big part of the youth precinct that they're working on, but it's at Moore Street. It's the main street. Doesn't youth precinct make it an area sound entirely unyouthful at the same time, I suppose. <laughs> it sounds but so uncool. I bet a young Rochelle Hunt wishes that that skate park was there when you were walking the streets of Maui as a young kid. A hundred percent. So yeah. 30 years ago when I lived in Maui, all of my friends skated. They all still skate, was, right? They're in their 50s <laughs> and they still skate. But Back then, there was no skate ramp. There might have been a little dodgy one off to the side, but it was never really well looked after. Nobody really hung out there. But that doesn't mean that people didn't skate. So you would just find your own places to skate or you'd make your own ramps. And then that's when a lot of tension is caused. And so often, you know, when we talk about the youth, we speak about them needing somewhere to go and a space needing to be created. And generally when something awful happens, they say, well... There's nothing for the young people to do in town. Oh, it's a classic story, especially from regional areas. Any horrific uh, car accident or any uh, horrific event in a town or if something big is closing, there is always a conversation about providing more for young people to do. And one of the difficult things is finding exactly what that should be because what was important to young people generations ago may not be important now. Where this conversation is interesting today, Rochelle, is is the idea of skating and skate parks because this is something that has gone across generations and still, I suppose, the counterculture element of it is still attractive to a young audience, whether it be today or whether it be 30 years ago when you were walking the streets of Maui. It's still debated though, like it was almost didn't happen in Maui. There was still some rejection from locals in the area. And I think it's really important. You ask, where is it? It's smack bang in the middle of town. And I think that's vital because any concerns or any stereotypes that may be wrapped up with skate parks and that gets quashed pretty quickly because you can see what's going on there. And the other thing is, this is not just a bunch of teenage boys hanging out there. You know, you've got young girls, you've got, yes, teenage boys, but then you've got older men and women as well, like my mates in their 50s who would go and skate there. And that's where you start to like the surfing culture. You start to get mentorship and there is something pretty special about surfing and and skating and that 
respect and that passing down of kind of tricks and knowledge, so to speak. And you have to be on your best behaviour. You can't skate if you're up to no good. Well, that's the interesting thing, and that's why I was asking you about where it was too. If, you get, if you're going to have it in the centre of town, it's going to be visible. It's actually not even for the people who are using the, that area. It's also for the rest of us in the community. It's hard to have rumours about dodgy things going on at an area if it's in a very visible part of your town and you can see you know, 90% of the people are there are taking part in just a, a recreational activity and, and hanging out with mates. And in a world where we're so fragmented in terms of friendships and so much of lives are lived online, anywhere where you've got a point where people are meeting up has to be important, not only for regional communities, for suburban communities as well too, I would argue. What I love is that skate parks have for decades been that agent that brings young people together. It gives them something to do. And there is a passion and a subculture and you find your tribe. But yet they are still being debated. But what makes them work? What makes skate ramps important? Maybe your community is crying out for one. Maybe you're seeing kind of maverick ramps being built because your community doesn't have a skate ramp. Maybe it's got an awesome skate ramp. So what makes them work in our towns and suburbs? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. I was almost going to say with you in Moi. And Warwick Long joins you back on the Conversation Hour from ABC Shepparton. Already a text here from Jason, 56-year-old Moe resident, says, go the Mo." So I think Jason's <laughs> looking forward to having a skate ramp there. And I wonder too was whether, you know, Arissa has gone viral around the world, 13 years old, the first woman to do a 720, which is, I think... In competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So two times around, 360 yeah. times two, which is just, wow, like... As oh, I can't even do a kickflip, so I'm I'm very down with all the the not very uh, down with the skateboarding moves, but going around in the air twice, the yeah. amount of momentum, speed, and skill that would require is just incredible. And it's an Australian teenager who did it the first first time to to land it in a comp, which is just. Amazing. So she's going to be inspiring young boys and girls all around the world. But then there are so many people that have been skating for decades. So what is it about skate ramps that just works? one three hundred triple two seven seven four. 774 You can text as well, 0437-774-774. Just talk to us about that subculture. Jaden Sheridan is the founder of Gnarly Neighbours, which is a youth group based in Seymour. And Jaden, you would know what works and why skating is just so important because you've used skateboarding as a way to connect and to mentor young people for years. Why does skating just work? Uh, I honestly think it's just the the sense of community at the skate park. I think everyone at the skate park has got uh, something in common. Um, and I think when I was younger, when, when I had some things going on at home, the, the skate park kind of took me under its wing and everyone at the skate park. Um, and there is them kind of stereotypes that were a lot more present. I think back then when I was younger, I could have been more present. Um, but I think these days it's definitely, it's the minority to be doing the wrong thing because everyone wants to um, kind of uplift each other and stay on the right track and continue skating or riding scooters or bikes and stuff like that. Jaden, tell us about some of the, the work you've been doing around Seymour because it hasn't always been easy considering, I suppose, with the, with the floods affecting yeah. you as well. But tell us about the work more generally. Beautiful. Um, so I started, I think, 2019. I um, actually just wanted to um, create more of a, uh, a better environment in Seymour um, as it's similar to Shepparton and stuff like that. It's top nine disadvantaged towns um, or top nine percent disadvantaged towns in Victoria. So I, um, I wanted to kind of change that for the kids um, and make sure they've got positive mentors and someone around um, just kind of leading the way and showing a positive outcome um, in life. And so I started taking some boards down and helping some kids skate and it slowly started getting bigger and bigger. I needed more skateboards. I started taking more days off work to be able to cater for everyone. And then all of a sudden it kind of exploded and the whole community really got behind it and now we've got 30 skateboards locked and loaded in the van, pads, helmets, um, and it was the whispers of the mums, and now we're running three sessions a week. I'm at schools regularly um, around the whole of Victoria, not even just um, uh, Seymour, and now just helping connect kids to the community in their local skate park. 
Was there any resistance initially, Jaden, when you were trying to set this up because of that stereotype? Or has that sort of I slowly think, gone away? I think it's slowly going away. I think there was a few raised eyebrows when some people said there was a, a bloke down the skate park offering to, like, that wasn't a kid. Um, I think the stereotype of only kids um, skateboard or at the skate park, um, as you're kind of touching on, I think um, the people are questioning, like, who is this guy teaching my kid to skate randomly at the skate park out the goodness of his heart? Sounds a bit sus. Um, but I think that was the only thing. I think once everyone kind of came around and realised there was heart behind it, everyone was on board, pun intended. Uh, Jaden, stay there. Jaden Sheridan's with you, founder of Gnarly Neighbours, a youth group based in Seymour. Incredible work being done there. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Rob Francis is on the line at Mount Eliza. Rob Francis might be a name known to you. Australia's first pro skater. Is that right, Rob? Uh, yeah, that's right. I was I was lucky enough to land in that um, job for a couple of years back in wow. sort of 79, 80, 81. Yeah. Gosh, you never I'm know who's along. listening to this program, do you? Rob, so <laughs> you're talking like the late 70s, early 80s. How have you seen skating culture, acceptance of skate parks? I've been told, Richard, skate parks, not ramps, please, says Dax. So I'm going to try and get my language right. But have you seen the acceptance and just, I guess, the sheer need and want of, of skate parks in towns and communities go through the roof over the decades, Rob? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, there was a real lull, so that the skate parks all closed in around about 1981. There wasn't much going on. Um, then uh, we started to get skate parks again in the early 2000s, so that's when I got back in the year 2000, started skating again at the age of 40. And, um, yeah, look, we've been advocating for skate parks and they've gradually become more accepted. And I think councils now see a real value because... The council is investing money in um, positive outcomes for youth and even youth with, se- youth with seniors cards like myself. Um, so, uh, yeah, they see great value and they see a skate park and they might see 60 kids there um, um, all skating around and, and have the other sporting facilities next door just lying idle. Um, and then we've overcome the stereotype of you know, skaters are going to cause trouble because, um, you know, I was a when I was a young teenager, I just wanted to get on a set of wheels, go too fast, take risks, get aggressive and smash stuff. And you can do all of that inside a skate park and come out tired and not bother anyone. Yeah. So it's been really positive. Um, Rob, what's yes. the experience like then being a young skater and then being a, a middle-aged skater, if you don't mind me using that term? <laughs> uh, what's the difference between those two lifestyles for you? Well, flatter me with middle-aged. I mean, I'm 63 now and I've skated <laughs> the big bowls since last night. Um, so unless wow. I'm going to live to be 126, um, middle-aged is probably understatement. But um, look, in the early 2000s, it was a bit weird. People looked at us a bit strangely. But now we're just part of the group. You know, we'll have nine-year-olds, 14-year-olds and 44-year-olds all just sort of bump fists and we all skate together. I love that. That's what I love, right, is watching from a distance anyhow – that mentorship and that when we talk about the breaking down of barriers of generations, like in surfing, there's something pretty special and touch and untouchable about watching that happen within the skating culture. Is does that just come naturally, Rob, or is it something that you have to work hard at? Well, look, it does come naturally. I recently went over to the UK and caught up with a bunch of people that I didn't know and the culture was exactly the same. It's just skateboarding culture, perhaps it's a a camaraderie that we're we're all in this together. Um, your ability to, you know, walk without <laughs> your ability, the, the, the possibility of being injured and you know not being able to get yourself out of the yeah. bowl is there all the time. Um, but look, from a danger perspective, it's probably about the same as AFL. But um, at least on a skateboard, if you, if you get hurt, you do it to yourself. But um, but back to the camaraderie, like there's a, a bunch of young skaters. You're talking about Arisa True. There's a whole raft. Um, there's one, um, uh, Kira Lawson, who's absolutely ripping, and she's just turned 14. Like, if I could have skated half as yeah. well as her when I was getting paid to do what I would have been stoked. But, you know, they, they, she needs a pathway. Like, 
she said to her mum, no, no, mum, we've got to stay a bit longer. I'm skating with Rob. Uh, so she was still using every angle to keep skating. But she wants to go to the uh, exposure competition in the USA, which is all about uh, female empowerment competitions for girls, you know, equal prize money, all of those things. But um, they're a bit, a little bit lost as to how to get there. So they're going to have to save up their money, go all the way to the US, find wow. somewhere to stay just to go in a competition. So we've been pushing for some kind of funding, which is really to support the Olympic hopefuls. Um, you know, we skate with some of the others that are, mm. you know, um, Aaliyah Wilson was in the Olympics qualifiers in Dubai and Argentina recently. She was there skating with us last night. So, um, you know, they need that. It's a small, tight-knit community, isn't, yeah, it? isn't it? Hey, Rob, do we still call you Wedge? Uh, yes, sometimes. Yes. Oh, ah. hi, oh, hey, it's Robbie. And they go, hey, Wedge, how are you? But, yes. um, no, oh. I'm going to give a plug. To, I'm going to give a plug to our registered charity foundation, if that's all right. Of course. Um, yeah, so it's called Moss Foundation, and we've got an Instagram called Moss Foundation Skaters. And we have, um, we do, we've done art shows. So we have art with original art on skateboards, and we'll have a hundred or more of them in a gallery, and people bid for them on in person and online, and 100% of every sale price goes to building water systems for um, needy communities wow. in Africa, which particularly helps girls get an education. Well, and, that's um, and that's the Moss Foundation, which is M-O-S Foundation, so people can have a look and, and maybe support you in any way you can. Rob Francis, Australia's first pro skater, thank you so much for calling our talkback line. Let's go back to Jaden Sheridan. Jaden, as we said, you, you never really know who's listening, do you? What I find amazing is that a grandparent who goes by the name of Heather has just sent us a message and says there's just an awesome little beginner's skate park in Healesville. And during the lockdowns, we minded our two little grandsons who were five and three. The park was a godsend. They befriended some bigger boys, which they just love also. So I'm a happy grandma. And Rob was alluding to that as well. Like, that mentorship that comes through skating, that must be something that you've seen uh, work in Seymour incredibly well. Yeah, 100%. I um, I think at, at the skate park fosters a kind of like a, a fosters children in general, I think. And I think it's just everyone helping each other and wanting to see each other succeed. At, um, just doing their own thing. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be about who's doing the best, which is the most amazing thing, I think. And Jaden, tell us what happened to to gnarly neighbours during the floods in Seymour because it wasn't an easy time for you, was it? Oh no, it was quite uh, quite chaotic. So we ended up um, unfortunately um, losing our skate ramps, um, as a lot of people lost their house and stuff like that. Um, so our ramps were were flooded and ruined. Um, we um, a lot of people had said to me, "Oh, just put up a GoFundMe and stuff like that." And I've already asked, not that we've asked a lot from the community, but the community has already helped out a lot, um, and I knew the whole community was going through something. So I, I um, decided not to put up a GoFundMe or anything like that, and knew we could just um, kind of rebuild as we went, but um, we were lucky enough to have um, a, a few local businesses in town actually get together and hold a fundraiser um, to raise funds for the new ramp, so we were able to fully rebuild. Um, which was amazing, and now we're back in the space and operating as normal um, so we can use our little portable skate park and we can take that portable skate park to different schools and stuff like that as well, How give people that? a real taste for it. Congratulations on what you do, Jaden. It's so great. It, it really is. And it can change lives. It can change directions of people's lives, especially when you're young and you're a bit lost or you don't feel like you have any connection you are quite literally giving people something that they love and that they look forward to and a, and a connection that they're craving. So well done, mate. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's Jaden Sheridan, who's the founder of Gnarly Neighbours. And Rochelle, he wouldn't know it, but he taught my two daughters at the Seymour show last year. Really? Uh, are they because they, like, What I love is like Gnarly Neighbours, you'd think it would be on the, on the outside of a community, right? But... Um, welcomed into things like the show to, and it was probably one of the most popular things with kids. And uh, I think it came up to Shepparton as well, uh, as well. You can't go to every show, but uh, 
It is amazing to see what starts on the outside of possibly of community, like a skating thing, become such a mainstream thing. Or someone like Rob, who felt like he was on outside of culture, as you were saying, when he was young, is now this like senior figure at a, at a skate ramp in town and running charities to help communities well outside his own. It's, it's incredible to see that growth and change. So maybe you've seen that change in your community. Are you craving a skate ramp? Maybe you've got an awesome one. And what is it about them that just makes them work? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. All my mates skated, still skate. I actually, hands down, am the worst skater ever was. And I even look weird. Sometimes a friend would leave a deck at your house and then you'd drop it over to theirs. And carrying it, even carrying it, I look like a fraudster. (laughs) It just does not gel. But there was something wonderful about even just watching my friends skate when I was 15, 16. It was, you know, you'd see them crash and end up, you know, cuts and bruises or you'll see them make a trick and it was just something to do it was incredible focal point a place to be even if you're not the one taking part that is such an interesting insight rochelle murray's on the mornington peninsula morning murray good morning uh firstly to Jaden, respect that's the only word i can think of for that young man it's just brilliant um i just had a little part of a role um we organized 200 skateboards that were donated by kids all up and down the east coast of australia and we sent them up to a remote community in the northern territory called numbua and Nuka and jinkleman what we did is we organized a local council up there and they now run a program where they take the skateboards out the kids work with the skateboards they paint the skateboards and it works brilliantly it is just wow. a beautiful thing to watch these kids ride and get to do stuff that of the kids obviously down here we get to do all the time but the connection for the camaraderie amongst the kids uh there's a little bit of self-respect because things are pretty tough in remote community as we all know about what's going on with the voice and things so yeah it works uh and really no matter what community it's just a beautiful thing and i i want to mention uh, a little bit of sad news the guy that organized it was johnny burns a beautiful man who sadly we lost a few months ago but he's been working on this for years and it's just so heartening to hear you know, kids like Jaden that are getting involved in it. And skating works. It's just, yeah, it I works. Mean, it I does, Marie. So can people donate their boards? Do I call them boards or decks? Um, yeah, decks. there is heaps of decks. I would suggest we talk to most uh, those guys. Yeah. We, I, I was just a small role in this. I run mainly health and education um, issues, and we work really hands-on with community. But um, we're not tax-deductible, the stuff that I do, but... Like, if you get hold of Mossy and those guys... They sure would know. Because that's the thing. People might have maybe an old one or something where they think, especially coming into certain times, where people always wonder, how can I help? And maybe they can contact Moss and um, either donate or, or buy deck. Are you thinking it's a deck, was board? I, I was I was just happy for you to lead me on that, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> when you asked I was like, I'm, no, I'll just let you go and I'll go with one answer. But deck sounded fine to me. I, I, was, I was happy with that. This message, nearly my 16-year-old son took up skating during lockdown. He is now so in love with it and it gives him so much purpose. And another saying, I've just tuned in to this skating discussion. It's the same with the roller skating culture. It's so inclusive. Everyone welcomed, not just those in the mainstream sports. I'm a 55-year-old female and I love our skating classes. You can check out the Surf Coast Roller Skates. Let's go to my hometown now. Voices of the (laughs) Valley is, uh, their CEO is Wendy farmer and wendy it's taken a long time but finally it's not finished yet the end of the year we'll see the skate ramp in the heart of maui just at the end of moore street finished how important is it do you think not just for young but for everyone in maui to have this skate park oh look i think it's it's critical for a town like maui to have a skate park you know and rochelle as you were talking and saying you know 30 years ago when you were in that old little dingy corner of a skate park that maui had um, it's never had any maintenance, <laughs> you know, it's it's just been in that old dingy corner where people have gone, all those kids, they're troublemakers sitting in that corner. Where this is, you know, you come into Maui, as you said, you come off the train, you see it, you drive down the street, you see it, it's just, it's amazing. It actually makes me feel really good when I drive past it, knowing that this is something that has been 30 years or more in the making of getting a decent skate park in Maui. 
what's really important though is these young people need places to hang out just to just to be able to chill. You know, often we say they're, they're, you know, troublemakers and they just want to cause trouble. In fact, they just want to be together. They just want to actually not think about the issues that have happened at home or at school or anywhere else. We, We continually say our kids are lazy. They sit at home behind a computer, but we don't give them anything. We've seen, you know, in my own community, I've seen just little parks closed down because we can sell the land for you know, development, but where are our kids going to hang out? Where are they going to actually just chill and talk with their friends? And, you know, when they're talking with their friends, they're much safer than when they're sitting in their own room depressed. And, and Wendy, that's such an interesting point about having the skate park in such a visible location, Mm. not only, I'd I'd imagine, for the amenities of the town and easy to get there, but it makes young people feel like they're included in your town. You're, you're putting their infrastructure in the heart of the town. And they're not hiding anything that they're doing either. So any stereotype, that veil is removed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, And they they become part of that town. They are. This is their town. They have some ownership in. They're not tucked away in a corner, forgotten, because nobody wants to see them. They're actually part of our community. And, you know, listening to, was it Jaden, you know, mm. talking about when he was skating and he... You know, he helped other kids and then what he does now. And you just think, this is what we want. We want our kids to be connected to our community. They are our future. Yeah. You know, we have to give them places that they can hang out together and actually be creative. And what and we've also learned is that it's not just young people. You have older skaters yeah. or people. Like, so you've got multiple generations there. And as I said, I Absolutely. hadn't been to Maui for ages and, and I went back home and down the main street. Unfortunately, as like with a lot of small towns, the high street, a lot of shops had shut. There was a lot of shops boarded up on O'Shaw's Arcade, was almost a, a ghost town. But I saw these little glimmers of hope, right? I saw a cool little yeah. wine bar that had opened. I saw, you know yep. how butchers have become quite funky now, you know, yep. and yeah, stock, have, yeah. <laughs> stock all kinds of, they're like a little provador. So I saw a little kind of cool butcher there. Amongst the, that, though, lots of empty, empty shops. So once you bring yeah. people into town, they're going to start to spend money. They're going to start to hang out and give people the confidence to maybe open something up. So there are long-term benefits for everyone, Wendy. Oh, absolutely. Every time you bring, you know, more and more things into town, you actually bring more people in and it's worth a business being there. Maui feels a little bit like the forgotten town in Latrobe Valley. Yeah, it's it's actually not surrounded by power stations. It's got massive, you know, Warrigal um, Trafalgar really booming with, you know, real estate and everything else. Maui's just starting to feel a little bit of that now, but it it does feel like it's been the forgotten town Gippsland to a way, you know, and the community have had to fight for everything they get here. Um, but, you know, the wine bar is a great feel. There's another little restaurant down the bottom of North Street, the tapas type bar, um, you know, and there's some really great things happening. You can feel that vibe. Yeah. And I think it's funny you said about the butcher. You know, in, I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> Not that we're giving Europe, a plug so here, by the way. <laughs> no, no, there's many butchers, you know, but they're starting to do like a community barbecue once a month, like a pork, you can come get a pork roll at lunchtime, you know, at one of our butchers and it's just, they're bringing communities community. together. Yeah, I know? love it. And I think that's what's important, we're bringing communities together, young people, old people and just going back to skate parks, you know, I've gone to skate parks where there's been five, six-year-olds trying to stand on a skateboard and a, you know, 14-year-old, you know, these troubled kids, which they, I'm only joking, they're awesome kids that have gone up and gone, can I help you? Can yeah. I show you how to do this? And I think that's what really is quite heartening when you see Absolutely. that connection and that care of each other. Wendy, it's so wonderful to hear the passion in your voice and the excitement. Thank you so much. Wendy Farmer from Voices of the Valley. A couple of shops that Wendy was talking about there. Do you know that I also discovered, right, that Moe has got <laughs> the last, I think one of the last DVD stores, like where you can actually go and fair income hire a DVD. It's huge. Uh, at least we weren't going back to op shops there anyway. And maybe no. a butcher maybe a butcher program is uh, on the cards for the conversation hour in the future. We are talking skate parks today, though, and we're talking skating culture and what it means over the generations, as we've learned today already. Emma's in Eltham. Hi, Emma. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, I just want to say the comment that we're talking about kids a lot, but um, we're... 
investing a lot of money into public spaces that predominantly cater to boys and men. Um, I've got two young girls and we spend a fair bit of time down at the skate park. They're only two and four years old, so they don't feel the intimidation of being around teenage boys as much as you do when you're you know, a, a, an 11-year-old girl. But I expect that they'll reach a point where they'll be too scared to go to the skate park, regardless of how good and how much they like skating. Why is that, do you think, Emma? Oh, I think it's just, you know, the intimidation of being a child. It's not a, um, you know, or a teenager. It's not a um, traditionally female Mm. sport. There's not a huge amount of female representation. There's certainly more girls down at the um, skate parks than there were when I was a kid, but it's still vastly outnumbered, one to ten. Um, with big groups of guys in their, you know, teen years. Um, I guess it would be intimidating if you're sort of on your own. But how do you change that? Because at the same time, you don't want separate skate parks. So how, other than finding ways to encourage women to skate? That's right. I think you need need to make um, skate parks safe for young girls and um, provide role models. And one of um, my thoughts is whether or not the council could provide... um, lessons specifically for girls um, or protected time for girls to come together and skate together so that um, they know that the skate park's for them as well as for everybody else in the community. Good to hear from you, Emma. Thank you. Keith's in Logan. Good morning, Keith. Yeah, good morning. What did you want to say? Yeah, I'm 49 and I've owned a skateboard of some shape or form since the age of 10. And you're still skating? Sort of, not no no major tricks or anything, but still roll around on one on time to time. I love so that. So, what is it about the skateboard that you enjoy so much, Keith? Oh, I've just had it since I was ten, and you know, when you're a kid, it was huge. You know, I watched some of the best skaters in in the world come to Australia at competitions at Festival Hall and such. And what? And, uh, what got you into skating, Keith? Was it did someone show you, or did, how did you pick up a skateboard at age ten? Other kids had them. That was it. You just wanted Pretty to follow. And, <laughs> and one and one quick one. There's a gentleman who was a great skateboarder in Australia called Tony Hallam. He has a um he has a collection of skateboards that could not. I don't think anybody in the world that would have as many as he does. Wow. And he has an installation every so often. He, Brings him to a, I think it's a um, some type of gallery in Flinders Street. He has an exhibition full of his skateboards. Tony Hallam, all right. We'll keep an eye out for him. Good on you, Keith. This is funny. Was it says Rish and Warwick the Hazelwood Mine would make an awesome skateboard park <laughs> for the advanced. We're talking about repurposing the mines. There's an answer staring us right in the face. I laughed at this one too, saying, "Well, why not bring back hula hoop and marbles competitions for everyone?" What? reaches young people in different generations is very different, which is the point we made about skating. It has it has attracted yeah. people continually through different generations and continually a younger subculture, which might make it something pretty important is, though, to protect, right? right? I get that, right? I get hula hooping and saying, oh, well, it's just a fat. <laughs> I actually tried to hula hoop again the other day. Turns out you can't do it in your late 40s. These hips never lied. <laughs> uh, they, they, they couldn't it do it. It was a sad, sad situation. But it's different. This is the thing. I don't think it is a fad as such. This is a subculture. This is a lifestyle. It influences art. It influences music. It influences fashion. It's now a part of the Olympics. I I just, I think it's different. And I think that hopefully the mindset is changing around, well, this is just a group of teenagers that are getting together to get into a little bit of uh, trouble. You know, I I just, I I don't know if, if that's the case. And it's important when we're talking about so much of our conversations, particularly on Conversation Hour and and in other parts of ABC Radio, has been about getting people, particularly young people, outside more and more. If this is something young people want to do and all you have to do is provide some infrastructure, Mm. maybe that is pretty interesting. This too on the text, my son's a landscape architect in Sydney. And he can't keep up with designing new skate parks for councils. That's interesting. That's good to know that council's spending their money on them. Brian's in Ballarat. Morning, Brian. Morning, Rochelle. Good to hear you after all these years. I've come back to ABC. Welcome back. Good uh, to have you. Ah, yes, and I look like it too. Um, Rochelle, what uh, you came up with, skate parks, I think back in 19 or 20 years ago, two local constables out here at um, Smysdale where I'm visiting a mate, uh, Roger Parker and the one at Linton, Steph Carley, they went to the local children and said, 
these new things, skate parks, might be a good idea. What would you like? And they proceeded to make one, uh, it's metal. There's very little concrete or anything like that. So they proceeded to make this, I think it's got what they call six different elements in it. And they made that with the uh, help of the children from here. And that was 20 years ago. And it got to the stage it became a little bit rough when the people from Ballarat, because nothing in Ballarat was equal to, yeah, that's true, I've just got the nod, equal to what was out here at Smilesdale. And uh, it just shows you the... Uh, Local copper. Yeah, that was his idea. Well, there you go. And that's community taking initiative. Good to hear from you, Brian. Lovely to have you back listening as well. This is from Andre. It says, my young son also found it intimidating. So I bought a scooter and I hit the skate park with him here in Warrigal. Well, there you go. What started out as a negative turned into a little bit of a win-win was. On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne, Warwick Long, joining you from ABC Shepherd, and We're talking about the importance of skate ramps in a community. Although I've just been given a tip, was, on how to hula hoop again, like <laughs> I did when I was a teenager. Rish, you need a larger hoop. Don't use a kid's hoop. I'm 46 and I can hula hoop. My friend recently bought me a large hoop so I can get back into it. So this is what I was doing wrong, right? Hula hoop advice coming in on the text line as well. Skating talk and hula hoop advice. That's what we're here for. Richard Flude is a Melbourne-based skater. He's been a part of the scenes for many years and he's also the Secretary of Skateboarding Victoria. Richard... Well, you would have no doubt seen the the culture, the acceptance change over the years. And what I love is that multi-generational aspect. What, what makes skating work when it comes to a community and putting in a skate park? Uh, well, it's quite interesting. I've been listening on it. Um, a great uh, addition to the show today, uh, Tony Hallam, who just came up, um, and the metal ramps in Smyrsdale. Uh, over the years, you've had like generations of different types of ramps. And once upon a time, you had the... Uh, the metal ramps and now have more of a polished concrete with um, usability and beginners more um, included into the design. So it, it's been interesting watching the, um, the skate parks evolve, but it has always been a place that's been pretty accepting. Uh, I think the comment around females being a bit more intimidated is historically true. I know a lot of our programs, my partner's name's Rachel actually, so Rochelle got, uh, was a kind of a hybrid name that people called us sometimes. But having male and female instructors go out and um, having, you know, a female coach um, or, or mentor there has really helped. And, and also going into schools, uh, I think sometimes it's just not in the um, the comfort zone for females in particular to approach a skate park. Mm-hmm. I know you were like, how do you hold the how do you hold the board? And you know, will this look right? Like, you know, the fear of being a, a kook or no, no, no one likes to look like a complete grom or beginner, but I, that's kind of the barriers in the head that when you realise that, you know, if you if you realised how little other people were thinking about you, you wouldn't be so self-conscious. So yeah. it's just about... Yes, that's so that. true. Yeah, yeah. I love that you have a power couple name, by the way, Richard and Rochelle being... Uh, Richard and Rachel being Rochelle. That, that is good. Now, I was reading today, Richard... Uh, 1.3 million Australians estimated to be skateboarding recreationally. Do you know if that number's getting bigger or, or smaller? Do you have a feel of the population uh, popularity of the sport? I, I, I know that there's a lot of work going on with the national body right now, skateboarding being somewhat nomadic and um, non-structured in terms of the amount of people that do it versus the amount of people that register through um, official channels Um it, 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 there's a huge parity between that. Um, there's a lot of people doing it bas- basically just for recreation. And they might do it at Melbourne Museum or somewhere else that never put their name down. But mm. I, I think generally with the popularity, it's growing. Um, since the pandemic, I know that the skate park and the, these individual sports, but also esports online are the two main like trends that are going that way. So and what about the Olympics? I mean, how much is skateboarding now being included in the Olympics now coming into its second how much has that sort of helped with the rise in popularity or acceptance maybe and even for councils to be like all right well it's a respected sport now so we'll put some of our council dollars towards it well um the the funny thing I feel like the council has been a bit more proactive like even St Kilda when they were designing the park the, the people that you had that were against it were people like um Trevor Marmalade and the footy show guys that just were like, oh, they will ruin it. So there was this kind of being like, um, you know, a bit of resistance from other more established grandfathered in sports. I think the councils have actually been quite 
um, understanding of the, the the need for um, mentorship and community connection for a long time. I, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago, you probably had some areas that were still a bit um, slow to cotton on and maybe in more rural places, it seemed like skate parks were something, uh, we'll build it and then you know, they've got somewhere to go, but that's the extent of mm-hmm. our involvement. And now the programming and the interaction is is quite, and the employment services and the support services, and you know, whether you know that be tied in through like Anglicare and some of the. And can people jump onto skateboarding Victoria to get more? Like, if they want to find out either where a good skate park is, or if they how to either donate to charities, do you guys have a a good landing place for people to go and get this information, Richard? Yeah, we, we have a, a fair bit of information there. We're, we're currently overhauling our website because what we do have is a lot more providers like your Gnarly Neighbours, like the Moss Foundation, um, YMCA, the All Aboard Program. There's a, there's a lot of things happening, but what we're finding um, is to essentially pull all the providers together so anyone can look at a map and uh, determine where, where, where are the... Um, the competition's happening, what is the pathway? It still needs to be a bit more defined. And mm. your comment around the Olympics, um, like um, Rob Wedge was saying, um, you, you have um, Kira Lawson, who's, um, I think, from the Mornington Peninsula, skates Noble Park a lot. Um, still, there's a little bit of... Um, uh, uh, yeah. um, it, it's a little bit of the oh. exact pathway to the Olympics at this stage still, but it's something that's currently getting refined because um the, the first olympics part it was a, a year went by through the pandemic so it was delayed and i think a lot's changed since then so it is still definitely Great. molding into where it needs to go I love it. Good on you, Richard. Great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Richard Flood there, who's a Melbourne skater and the Secretary of Skateboarding Victoria. Apparently, Keith, who rang us before from Logan. He owns the Logan pub and we should have actually had a bit of a chat to him because apparently... I drove past that the other day. Yeah. It's got a little line on the front saying the Aussie pub in the scrub, by the way. Um, and uh, uh, I needed to know about... There are stories to be told there. This text too saying, Tony Hallam teaches my kids. He's a legend. I love Everyone we've spoken to about today's show, everyone knows everyone. This is what yes. I love, right? The community is real. And everyone's like, yep, no worries. I know, you know, Bugalugs, I'll get them to call you. Or, yep, yep, no probs. I skate with them. Or, that's my sister's best mate. Or, whatever it is. Everyone knows someone. Nick Basario is a Melbourne based skater. He's also commented, uh, commentated apologies on the skateboarding during the Olympics for Channel 7. Nick, you've been skating since you were 12. One would think you're a little bit obsessed with skating. What is it about it that you love? <laughs> that's a fun one to start with. I think the act of skateboarding is very satisfying, just going fast on wheels. It's the basis of a lot of things that kids love and become obsessed with. And maybe I'm just a little bit of a kid at heart still, I guess. Um, but I think the people who get hooked on skating, it's because it is it is unique. It's really fun. It's just one of those things that gets its grips on you, I reckon. And how big have the Olympics been for skateboarding, Nick? Given you sort of had that experience of commentating on it, um, is it making a difference to the sport? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, It's a massive worldwide platform and it's good to encourage the Australian government bodies. I know you're talking about the councils and everyone. For everyone to get on board and acknowledge it, it definitely helps to be an Olympic sport. Um, I'd love to sort of make the point out of pride of being a skateboarder and all of us having our own community and doing what we do before the Olympics or anyone acknowledged us really when we were still less than accepted we were rejected as a subculture or however it is as a subculture I just think the Olympics is saying thank goodness for sports like skateboarding um, accepting us as well so it's a two-way street I think that's something really really important to acknowledge as well. It was so refreshing during the Olympics. I think that the commentary and the whole production of the the skateboarding in in the Tokyo Olympics was probably one of my favourite parts of the whole event. And I'm not a skateboarder, Nick. So did you get good (laughs) feedback from from that experience? Yeah, that's really lovely to hear, honestly. Just the word refreshing, I think, is so perfect for what I think uh, skateboarding or 
anyone sort of in our position want to bring to the Olympics. And yeah, of course, it was great feedback. We had so much fun doing it. Mitch Tomlinson and I um, just had an actual absolute blast sitting in that booth sort of having never done it before but being really passionate about it yeah the, the feedback's been great we had a great time and just for people like yourself outside of skateboarding andrew gaze publicly on on tv he's like a national treasure at this point gazy to just say look we've never seen something like this in in skateboarding yeah. just to see all the girls supporting each other and for other people to sort of acknowledge how much of a community and how caring we are within our own group it's really nice yeah it was really good feedback um across the board and can you do us a favour? Can you drop some names now on who we should be looking out for for the next <laughs> Olympics so we sound smart? Um, I'll only give you a hint for one because then you'll have to pay attention a little bit more. But um, Chloe Cavell is definitely yeah. uh, the one. That's just, she is what an awesome uh, job. shining light, yeah. What yeah. an awesome job you've carved out for yourself, Nick, you know, as a, as a <laughs> skater. <laughs> like, seriously, you are living the dream, mate. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. See ya. Nick Bazzario there, Melbourne skater, now a commentator for skateboarding during the Olympics. There's a great message here, Was It says, hey, I'm Angus from Barwon Heads, and I'm currently a skate coach for the YMCA Action Sports and Park Indoor Skate Park here in Geelong. I've been skating for 14 years, and I have consistently seen the incredible impact that skate skating and skate parks have on young people of all ages and all stages, particularly those who might feel a little bit misplaced and non-sporty and those who haven't learnt what it's like to take risks and feel what it's like to prevail after attempting something scary and intimidating, which is the most massive point I think kids realise they can really do things if they're telling themselves they can't and that fear is the only thing that's getting in their way. Lastly, the amount of young girls in particular getting involved is amazing, easily matching the amount of boys arriving. So skate parks are now generally outnumbered by males, but at this point, it won't be for long. Lee's in Warrigal. Good morning, Lee. Hello, Michelle. Hi. What did you want to say? Hi. Uh, Michelle, yeah, I just thought I'd call up about my brother, uh, Phil Shepherd, uh, back in 1968, uh, 69 roughly, he participated in the Coca-Cola Skateboarding uh, Championships, I guess, back in Melbourne at the King's Car Park is where it was held. And he came third, which was pretty good. And the chap that came first was John John Laws, who became the one of the founders, or the founder, I'm not sure, of Quicksilver down in Torquay. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, Phil... He, he skated then, and then after that, they went round with the organisers to different shopping centres around Melbourne at that time, giving skateboarding uh, demonstrations, exhibiting to the young kids. And that were in the, was in the days of uh, the skateboards aren't what they are today. They were quite heavy timber ones, uh, midget family skateboards, for example, who was a, a surfer. Um, um, anyway, my brother... Sadly passed away, but he was 53 about 15, 20 years ago. And uh, but he he inspired my son to skate, and he still skates, Ben. And uh, at the age of 53, Phil, my brother, got onto uh, a skateboard on our street in in Warrigal and did a handstand down the down wow. the yard. Oh, that's, that's Lee, that connection! That connection is so nice to have, isn't it? Lee, thank you so much for your call. We're, we're running low. On time, so I'll have to keep moving. Let's bring in Professor Lisa Wood now, Institute for Health Research at the University of Notre Dame in Australia, who has written about the societal benefits of building new skate parks. We've heard that's quite the industry these days, Lisa Wood. What are the benefits of, of a town or a suburb getting a skate park in a good location? Uh, yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've loved seeing the rise of both the number of skate parks and the number of people skateboarding um, over the last um, decade since I've um, been interested in this. And, you know, full disclosure, I got into research on this because I had um, teenage boys at the time who were skating <laughs> and, and struggling to find somewhere to do it. And I guess um, one of the things we look, we've looked at a lot in our research and I continue to see is that, um, you know, there were some really negative stereotypes about skate parks and, you know, it's going to attract graffiti and bad behaviour and a lot of kind of nimbyism. We don't want this in our backyard. And um, what I'm loving to see is that um, I think a lot of that is being refuted and with the popularity of it. And um, But still sometimes that comes up. But there are lots of benefits, 
the communities. I think the Australian um, Sports Commission and others have been, you know, the stats on um, young people and people of all ages, to be honest, um, engaging in non-structured sport. And we have, you know, so mm. much of our community. If you look around, if you drive around, there's ovals and cricket ovals and football ovals and netball courts galore. Um, and we really haven't necessarily catered enough to some of these more incidental forms of physical activity. So I mean, true. Mm. And if you and don't the build them, of- they will find places to, to skate, Lisa. That's the other thing. And it's Well, exactly. Yeah, and exactly and that's one of um and one of the, my bugbears is where local governments, um, I don't see it a lot these days, but where they have put you know, kids might be skating off benches or things like that and they deliberately put, you know, barbs or things to stop that. You know, well you can stop it by actually providing a space for young people to do it. And I love I think one of the um comments from one of your people who send a message in around, and it might have been Nick mentioning as well, that that kind of community that goes with skateboarding, and that's what we've seen a lot in our research is like, you know, it's not just about the physical activity, but it's the, it's the, it's taking, they learn to take turns, they learn to, you know, have a go at things, um, you know, to be brave, um, you know, to pick yourself up and dust yourself off when, when things doesn't work. And I, and I think what we've seen a lot in our research is just that, way that um that skateboarding Mm. community um you know they really encourage other people you see older kids um supporting younger people but equally um it's risk-taking in a a safe space when we provide the right kind of skate environment rather than risk-taking you know people are doing it off a shopping centre wall because there's nowhere they can go yeah it's so true when you think about all of the other sporting infrastructure that's there and to, to put those skate parks in. Lisa, thank you so much. I'm sorry we didn't have a heap of time. We've had so many great stories today. Professor Lisa Wood, are you are your boys still skating, Lisa? Well, uh, yeah, one does and his girlfriend is skating as well. So I feel go. like, the, you know, they're, keep, they're keeping the numbers going. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Lisa Wood from the Institute of Health Research at the University of Notre Dame here in Australia. Tony Hallam has come up a lot in today's conversation. This, he says, he did some great work in Yarrawonga and Namurka and Nathalia. 15 years ago, we had no skate parks. Now we have five, thanks to Tony Hallam, in a short period of time. And lots of people was remembering, and this conversation saying is bringing back memories of being 14 and jumping on a train at McKinnon with a mate heading to Spencer Street on a V-line to Melton, getting the bus to the greatest skate park I've ever seen <laughs> to this day. Oh, don't you just love that? Those memories are amazing. I, I'm always amazed about how a how long program, Rochelle, can feel like we just scratched the surface on a culture and a subculture, and it's been amazing to learn about it today. So if you're still skating, uh, enjoy your time out there. It's been fun to talk about it with you today. was great to have you back, mate. Thank you so much. <laughs> great to be back with you, Rochelle.